This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone. Before we start the latest episode, a message to say. Paul Caddis, our captain, our two-time League Two winner and all-round good guy, is raising money for type 1 diabetes research. And he's doing this by completing the National Three Peak Challenge. That's walking the highest peaks in Scotland, Wales and England. Ben Nevis, Snowdon and Scorfell Pike. And I'm ashamed I didn't know that. I think we can all agree that CADS has contributed a lot to Swindon Town Football Club, both on and off the pitch. He's always willing to help out wherever possible. So I really hope we can assist him by donating whatever we can to help him reach his final target. You can read his story and donate by visiting www.gofundme.com and searching Type 1 Diabetes Research and clicking the link into his page. Thank you for listening. Good luck to CADS. And here come those drag-me-down drums. It's Swindon Town. We're up for the cup. Here we go again. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. Let's go. FA Cup time. FA Cup, FA Cup, FA Cup. I'm of an age where the FA Cup is something to be excited about. I don't believe in the magic of the FA Cup, but I do enjoy this time of the year, even more so if we make the third round, which we did last year. I just don't want it to be another 10 years before we get there again, which is what happened last time when we got to the fourth round against Leicester. How are you feeling? 
Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if we didn't have to wait quite so long. I think there was only one win in that time as well, and we ended up us- losing to Woking anyway. So given my um, f- relative youth, I've been ground into the floor with the FA Cup and Swindon Town because we're always rubbish in it, apart from a few choice choice cup runs with the ones I've mentioned and then the time we played Fulham. You know, I, I just generally enjoy football on the TV, so I'm a, I'm a good fan of the FA Cup. I was going to ask you what your favourite... Uh... Swindon FA Cup memory is but slim pickings I imagine yeah I think it's basically only Wigan is the only one I, I don't remember at all the previous games in that run but you know I think Wigan's the only real big win I very much enjoyed going to Fulham uh the game was bad especially as we're out Charlie Austin and then you know getting to the Man City game was cool but then again uh, we got smashed in it so I, I think almost by default it's Wigan yeah I think I think mine is 96 we almost got to the quarterfinals and we're tier three. So we're the, what is now League One. And we got a 1-1 draw at home against Southampton. We took the lead and we held on for a good while. Kevin Horlock's goal in that is, mwah. if you can't remember it or have never seen it, go look for it because it's lovely. Banyard site will, will do everything for you. And that's pretty much it for my generation two. Even Glenn Hoddle didn't give us a good run in 92, 93. But I remember we were on TV for the Aston Villa game the season before where town fans threw stones at the BBC commentary gantry or whatever it is when uh, Alan Hansen, I think, is doing his analysis. Uh, Such a behaved era. Yeah, a simpler time and in many ways a better time. I don't really know what to say to that, Joe, (laughs) but we'll, we'll move on quickly, swiftly to the presser. Lots of the usual chat. The first point I want to ask is when doesn't Scott Lindsay have to go into teacher mode while on a school residential to the Rhineland to tell children to be quiet in the hostel? Because he seems to do that every week uh, for the presser. Tell them next door to shut up. Well, that feels like a very personal memory to you, Rich, and and dangerously specific. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I think this was the most forceful week because he actually sort of went into the next room and then we could hear him yelling, shut up, at, at, at the players. But it's the unfortunate location of being right next to the kit men room. So there's always something going on in there. And uh, the fact that the press conference happens at the same time every week doesn't seem to have changed that fact. Mandashide, um, which was, for a teenager, a very funny place to stay because it sounded like Mandashite. Well, it's, you know, it's a good German trip, I suppose. Brilliant. Fantastic it was. But let's talk about injuries because it sounds like it's all quite on the Western Front in that respect. Generally speaking, um, we obviously knew Tom Clayton was going to be some sort of a doubt, having come off fairly early in that heroic Mansfield performance. But um, uh, slightly sort of strange, I thought, that they ha- he hasn't been scanned until today. So I don't know what that tells you about his injury in general. He was described as a possible doubt, which I find slightly strange phrasing. But um, there we go. So uh, they, they know at this point uh, where Tom Clayton is. I think given the general run of things and the fact that no, both Baudry and and um, Kieran Brennan did pretty well as goal aside at Mansfield. They would probably keep going just as Clayton is something of a doubt, even at the best of times. So he's um yeah. So there's there's not like an update on him. He's just sort of um, up in the air. I, the general sense of this press conference was more than most weeks, and I'm sorry, confused as to why was um smoke and mirrors, Richie Wellen style <laughs> where. Uh, we weren't being told, we weren't told certainly on the record which players are cup tied um, or you know not being allowed to play by their parents' clubs. We weren't told 
who the injured players are or what their status is really with Tom Clayton. And obviously we weren't told anything about what he might do in terms of team selection. So uh, something about this FA Cup game has got Scott Lindsay trying to be a bit of a spy, it would appear. How can a player be off or go off on the Saturday, have a scan on the Thursday and be hopeful for Saturday? Because surely training in the week would tell you everything you need to know on that front, would it not? Yeah, you would You would assume he would be scanned on the Monday um, when they came back in and then they would go from there. I don't know if Clayton has been training and they've, you know, and he was still feeling it a bit. So they decided to look at it properly or, or what it might mean if, if we're to take this as written um, for where, where he is. But it just seems a slightly odd situation if this is the case. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know when scans need to be taken and so forth, but it just... For such a late-in-the-day scan, just made me think, yeah, I don't expect to see him, but it's very hard to call for all the reasons that you just said. But Divine is back and he is training. Yes, Divine in full training. I think that that is a, a leap forward because he was sort of a week off and for the first time a week has actually meant a week um, in terms of a Swindon injury so far this season. Uh, he's been in uh, in training this week and Scotland, he's saying, saying he was very likely to be in the squad. Mm, lovely. Yeah, let's talk a bit more about the lone players because in in this particular instalment of discussing press conferences, we we won't play the audio because it wasn't our question, it wasn't your question. But the question was clear in reference to who's allowed to play. And of course, we're referring to Sol Brin, Luke Jeffcott, Fraser Blake Tracy and Kieran Brennan. Like you said, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors here and I will look forward to 2pm on Saturday to see who's playing because if they haven't got permission, that usually means that the the parent club is maybe keeping them back for the third round there. So, I mean, I'm instantly taking a negative stance on this, but there's no other real reason why you wouldn't give permission, is there? Yeah, well, this, this question was just to get it down on the record that it had been asked because... Uh, before we started, we were told that we weren't going to be told who who is and isn't um, ready, who isn't isn't being allowed to play. Just I assume to make Dave Challoner's job a little bit more difficult this week. But it, it's an interesting bit of psychology, really, in terms of which players can and can't play. Because you know, Flaters a break, Tracy. It's Burton potentially showing the hand on whether or not they have interest in bringing uh, FBT back, and also whether or not they think they're going to get to the third round, which. You know, for a team struggling a bit in League One, uh, is a bit of a gamble. And then, obviously, Sol Brin, Middlesbrough gets straight into the third round. But where are they? Where's their goalkeeper situation? They have you know, Zach Steffen, who played at the County Ground last season for Manchester City, who I believe has to play under his loan agreement with them. And then, obviously, Luke Jeffcott, who was sort of fifty percent a Swindon Town player in terms of us having a buy option. So, you know, which of those clubs decide to do what is quite telling. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Is an easy way to keep Mr. Challoner guessing, isn't it? So that could be it. We didn't even start this pod celebrating what a great week or so it's been in Swindon Townland. We had that 5-2 win last week at Mansfield. The Swindon Town women's team beat Celsius away late on 2-1. The under-18s in the Youth Alliance beat Bristol Rovers away from home and then progressed to the next round of the FA Cup, beating Mangotsfield in midweek. 
It's all very good at the moment. Makes you nervous, no? Yeah, a little bit, especially given our record in the cup competitions, as discussed. Uh, it, it was a, it's been a great week to be a Swindon fan, really. That Mansfield game, I think uh, I was watching it on iFollow and thinking this is probably about as well as we played for several years, really. I was trying to trying to think of the next most you know equivalent performance. It might be as far back as Crew in 2020. Of uh, a Swindon team playing to that level, it was just an absolute joy to watch that game for nine for eighty nine minutes of it. Do you not think Ben Garner's squad had a had a performance like that? I was trying to think of it. You'd think maybe Forest Green in terms of playing a top side because the bigger wins, like say Walsall, they were against I don't want to say like relegation fodder, but like less good teams. I don't think Swindon had a big statement win like that against the top side. Uh, Forest Green. Yeah, maybe Northampton, but I think there's a lot more circumstances around that with the COVID situation that Northampton were in. Mansfield was a straight 1v1, and especially and Swindon were probably weaker from the week that they'd had in terms of travel and things, and they were just absolutely phenomenal from, as I say, 36 seconds onwards. Yeah, it was a heck of a performance. Lovely to see. OK, let's continue with the presser. So we know injuries. We know, well, we don't know injuries. We don't know <laughs> loan spells, but we can assume they're... Um, Scotland was asked on keeping the team. Yeah, similar um, vibe in terms of I'm not telling you. Uh, it was, well, you know, we could do that. There's the argument that if we kept playing that team, then we could continue, you know, um, you know, continue that momentum. But he did also make the suggestion that that was quite a Mansfield specific thing, which I find slightly unlikely because, well, it just seemed like a, <laughs> it just seemed like something that worked generally. Uh, rather, unless there's something very peculiar about Mansfield's team, um, but he was, you know, he was again thinking, well, at least seeming like he was debating changes. Although, given the past few weeks in terms of lineups, he seems quite stuck on one team. And in terms of the Mansfield game, he was, his response was very stat-driven, wasn't it? Yeah, he was talking about obviously Swin scored five goals, which is gonna set pulses racing, given that we've not scored many goals uh, too often, not won by more than one goal too often this season. So um, there, there was that to contend with. But Lindsay has said all along that he feels like the stats are quite good in terms of attacking. He's been happy with our build-up play and the chance that we've been creating is just a, a lack of taking it, taking those chances, which did happen a lot more against Mansfield. So no, I think he was he was taking that not too high, not too high not too low view on on the season generally with this answer. Yeah, he was then asked about individuals within the town squad. We'll start with Luke Jeffcott. You wrote an article this week on the importance of Jeffcott's contribution in the last few weeks. What did Scott Lindsay say first about how Jeffcott's been? Progressing. Yes, Scott Lindsay said he, you know, we we heard at the time and as it was going on that he was struggling a little bit for match fitness and sharpness when he came in and he thought, you know, that Jeff got obviously was is playing reasonably well but was still getting up to speed, still learning the system. Then he felt against Mansfield in particular, his sort of his movement was became a lot more pronounced and was, um, you know, just such a real weapon for Swindon as in the article I went into. I'm not totally sold on this. I. I, I felt watching it because I'd looked at Jeff Cott's performances pri- prior in a re- more, you know, um, I think it was after Grimsby I wrote about Jeff Cott for the first time. Um, and it just felt like he was being asked to do a lot, a lot uh, different things than he had been beforehand, it, rather than it being just a sort of acclimatisation type thing. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I think we're getting exactly what we what we needed from Jeff Cott now, as I said in the last pod, and long may that continue. Speaking of form, Johnny Williams, it's hard not to notice that he has become far more important this season than perhaps he was last year. Um, I might have not worded that in the in the best way, but it, he's having a great old time of it at the moment. Of course, of course, the talk at the moment is predominantly on the World Cup, and we all know my stance. I'm like, let's protect this guy and and get him to the World Cup after years of injuries. It would be a great opportunity for him and Swindon that he goes there. It sounds like I was wrong in terms of his availability because it sounds like we all knew he was available for the Stockport game and I was very much pro-resting him for it. But it sounds like he's also available for the following game in the league, isn't he? Yeah, well, there's that quick turnaround, isn't there? I think the World Cup doesn't start until the 18th or the 19th and Swindon are playing next weekend. So it was at what point does Williams leave uh, on his international camp? Uh, for Wales. I think the announcement for his squad should be coming up in the next week or so. Uh, it was another week, another TV crew interviewing Johnny Williams today as well, which, as we said, there's either going to be a lot of footage thrown in the bin in a week's time or, you know, Johnny Williams is in the squad. And, um, you know, it was what Lindsay was talking about, you know, as obviously he's, he's got that extra week than we perhaps thought he might do. But, you know, just um, finding a balance, I think, in his own mind of saying, you know, we have to celebrate him getting in the squad. Also, it's a massive kick in the teeth to Swindon's fortunes, losing a player, you know, who's playing as well as he is in terms of creatively and also now that he's the poacher supreme. Yeah, heaven forbid we annoy S4C. Well, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they're probably annoying annoying Williams at this point with now interviews he had to do. Dave said apparently he's done an interview in Welsh, which I find slightly surprising the, the, the fact that he would have learned it given that he's no not actually born in wales oh come on joe <laughs> i mean would you, would you learn welsh if, if you didn't live there even if you did you know most welsh people don't if i'm a proud welshman of course i would i mean you know maybe puts on the daffodil hat and says grass and knife out a lot but mm. I, I just find it unlikely that you know playing at Crystal Palace or something, he was he was going to be learning Welsh. It just seems unlikely to me. Joseph Ackler, shame on you. I, I feel bad enough that I don't have a full-on Wiltshire accent. I mean, I think you should feel blessed for that, but we are where yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, Scott Lindsay doesn't know about compensation in reference to Williams being in Qatar, nor I think Jojo Wallacott being there could also result in some money for Swindon, but... In fairness, why would he? No, he, he he said that he doesn't really know. It's not kind of the thing he concerns him with. I think Johnny Willyfield said it's nine pound, nine grand or something for Williams. And then we get like two and a half for Wallacock because he's been at Swindon within the last two and a half years. So that's, you know, tidy-ish sum, I suppose, for them to be away for two, two, three weeks. Is that for the duration? That feels low. I'm not sure if it was per day feels like that would be too much, but it might be. Per week or something. This is the World Cup, baby. I mean, come on. I just, you know, I just don't know how much the Ghana and FA have really got kicking around to give us. But what annoys me is the information is out there. It, it, I, I have a feeling it's more a day than it is that than anything else. I, I think it's quite a good fee that Swindon could get, but that's not what it's all about. Yeah. So okay, well, let's talk about a football match that we have against Stockport County. 
on Saturday. It's away. It's a return. We drew there earlier on this season and Stockport had a real tough time of it to start with. August wasn't their favourite month, but they've turned things around. They haven't conceded in their last four league games, uh, three wins and a nil-nil draw in midweek against Tramier. And if you add a Papa John's trophy win over Shrewsbury, then turn that into five games without conceding a goal. So I reckon we're going to score in about the second minute in this one. It was very key to point out that this won't be the same experience as what we had way back on the 27th of August. No, Scott Lindsay was keen to point out that they've they've found a bit of consistency in their lineup as well as their form since we went there uh, that time ago, where, of course, uh, players break Tracy Lyman direct scored the goal and then we conceded late on. But um, yeah, it was... It was because I think we know a bit about Stockport having played them, but he was definitely think, thinking in terms of um, it's going to be a different prospect because they're they're a lot further along than than they were when we went there in the league. I'm surprised it took them as long as it did to get going because they they were a little bit more oven ready than perhaps some teams have been since they've come up to the EFL, and I don't think that we overestimated their potential and I think they are going to crack on but hopefully that's not with an FA Cup run. No hopefully they really want to concentrate on the league. Um, I think personally I I expect them to have at least a bit of a slow start. I think when you look at these high expectation high budget sides you look at say a Bolton or a Salford the the kind of team that Stockport are they come up with high ambitions but they slow start a bit slower and then eventually find their stride down the back end of the season a bit like Bristol Rovers did last season as well um so I, I did think they would be a bit slower and we appear to be into the part where they are clicking properly into gear although Swindon have done the same so uh works both ways yeah to see how it goes how are you feeling going into it and I guess the question is where's your head at because I want us to win I I really enjoyed the fact that we got to have that big game against Manchester City, the bloody ticket prices. But being there on a televised game, Swindon playing in front of the world against one of the best teams in the world, a remarkably strong team too, and not disgracing ourselves was so good. It would be lovely to go through that again. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I think we'd do very well to get that similar sort of cup draw two years in a row. But um, the Manchester City game was just great, being able to see that level of team and the way that they played in that game, where you know Manchester City were pretty breathtaking at times and Swindon were still not in the game, but certainly not getting blown away too badly. So it was just great to, to see something like that because of how dr- dreadful we've been in the FA Cup, generally speaking. So that, you know, it'd be really nice to go and get that, it, but all... At the same time, if you said to me last season that didn't happen, but we won the playoffs, I'd have said I would rather win the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. I'm still rattled by Henry Winter slagging us off during the game too. I was I was annoyed when I got back and rewatched the game and found out that Ali McCoyce was getting annoyed at us playing out from the back. It's like, you're Ali McCoyce. This isn't what oh. you do. And then also, what do you expect? We can't play long. Did we annoy Ali McCoyce? I, I couldn't believe it. It was... It was it was the harshest I've ever heard Ali McCoy about a football team, I thought. Oh, that makes me sad. I didn't know that. How did I go almost a year without knowing that? Well, it's, it is incredible. I was, you know, I the first, spent the first five minutes amazed we didn't have to, I didn't have to hear Lee Dixon talking about Swindon. 
And then I was like, Ali, what are you doing? This isn't what you're for. You're supposed to like the vibes. Yeah, maybe I, I heard it and chose to ignore it and never think about it again. Perhaps it was, it's, you know, one of those things I couldn't put out of my head, but uh, you're... Clearly more of a man than I. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think that at all. <laughs> Scott Lindsay was asked about his memories of the FA Cup. Um, he was talking about the first one he could remember was West Ham. Arsenal so long ago, Trevor Brookin scored the only goal. But he also cited 1987 Coventry versus Tottenham, which included many a Swindon Town player, as was mentioned during the press on both sides. That's nice, isn't it? But what's the earliest one you remember? I think the first one I can remember is the first one at the New Wembley, Chelsea versus Manchester United. I can definitely remember Drogba doing what Drogba did in cup finals generally. Um, I don't think when Johnny and I were talking about this a little bit afterwards that uh, Andrew and Scott Lindsay appreciated uh, that both of ours were post uh, were turn of the century FA Cup finals you know such is the way yeah I don't appreciate it either to be (laughs) honest with you I think five ex-Swindon players played in that 1987 FA Cup final Coventry City three Tottenham Hotspur two I think three on the Tottenham side and there were two in the Coventry side can you name them um I'm gonna say Hardhall? Yes, correct. Yes. Um, and bear in mind, it two were mentioned in the presser. Yeah, but I don't listen is the problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or very much, I have the memory of a goldfish for various things. I can't remember the assistant manager's name now after Hoddle, which is bad, but I, I keep I forget his name. Was it him? It wasn't John Gorman, though. Not Gorman. Um, I, I, I think... You're on the right lines, though. Okay. Um, yeah, because there are various Tottenham players that played in that team. The issue is that this this is all happening so over ten years before I was born, so I, I'm, I don't think this is going to go particularly further. You've dragged it out wonderfully well. Um, although you're on the right lines, your your line of thinking of it was Hoddle players was actually wrong. Damn. So the other ones were Ozzy Ardiles, I'm sure, of course, uh, Paul Allen, who played under Steve McMahon, and he was magnificent. Um, in 95-96 for us. And in the winning team, Dave Bennett, who played, I think, one game, broke his leg and never played again. And the killer himself, the captain, Brian Kilkline. Uh, he played and obviously lifted the cup for Coventry. When I went to that jolly up in Newcastle, Brian Kilkline was the guest. I got to hear him talk about Newcastle and he had no interest in answering anything about the 93-94 or Anglo-Italian Cup the following year. I was outraged. Well, that's very dis- disrespectful from him, I feel. Uh, is it bad that I've not heard of three out of the five? Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, which one? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You've not heard of Dave Bennett. That's fine, even though he provided the cross for one of the goals. Okay, that's fine. Who else have you never heard of? I'd, I'd only heard of Ardiles and Hoddle. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, Paul Allen, you've never heard of Brian Killer Kilkline. He lives on a canal. I mean, these are gr- these are great things. It's, it's not things that I knew. And Let's to be fair, someone called is... Paul Allen is a fairly forgettable name if I did know him. Wash your mouth out. <laughs> My first one, thanks for asking, um, that I can remember was 1989. Liverpool 3, Everton 2. That's the first one I remember 100%. Went to extra time, brilliant. And there were how many Swindon? <laughs> no, I jest, I jest. Uh, the answer is Steve McMahon. He was the Swindon Town representative, although Neil McDonald for Everton became our assistant manager in later years, didn't he? So there you go. There you are. Scott Lindsay was asked about managing highs. 
uh, because things are pretty good at the moment. There's a lot of good feeling at the moment, but you know what the Swindon fan base can be like. Not everyone. It can be dizzy and highs and perilous lows. But how does Scott Lindsay manage this within the club? Well, yeah, you already alluded to the fact that it was going rather too well. And as Swindon fans, that is an incredibly suspicious place to be. It can't be good for more than 20 seconds. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was a question on managing highs. It essentially became the answer we hear at least once every two weeks in terms of, well, you know, the lads come in on a Monday and the atmosphere's amazing. So, you know, even after when we weren't winning games, they always believed in themselves. And um, it was basically that. But after a win, so it was like, yeah, this is great, uh, generally speaking. Nice. Well, he didn't know anything about compensation for the World Cup, but he was asked about what the FA Cup means in terms of finances. I think 41 grand, isn't it, that... Swindon would get if if we were to go to the second round, which is you know, not a not an unwanted sum for the club. Um, it seems very not cynical, but it's not something we would have discussed 10, 15, 20 years ago at this level. Prize money always seemed to feel very non-league, but now it's definitely gone to about League One level, about how much these these cup runs mean to us financially and it's it's hard to disregard in that respect yeah no, i mean it is a little bit of a gauche way of looking at what is a fine tradition within english football but yes the fa cup is largely important because it gets back load of stacks um if we win i think it's about 100 grand if you get to the third round so that's not bad especially if you draw a plum tie then but um i, I think that there has got to be that I, he said that there wasn't that pressure from upper management, but I think, you know, especially in the situation Swindon have been in and recently been able to get their way out of, you know, the finances are important. So if we can win in the FA Cup, it might mean next season there's more money to spend and Swindon can be even better on our money ball journey. So I think, you know, Scott Lindsay, as I say, wasn't saying that they want to win because of that, but it's a nice part, it's a nice and an extra to winning the game. Certainly is, before we get to your questions, Scott Lindsay was asked about the fact that Stockport played in midweek, that nil-nil draw against Tramier Rovers. But the England fan in me, Joe, is still waiting for Croatia to tire. Yeah, exactly. I, I was thinking the exact same thing when he was asked the questions. Like, they were supposed to be tired, and they weren't. <laughs> I was given assurances that they would be tired. I was told that they'd played two penalty shootouts already. But yeah, it, I mean, it must have been a tactic game. Obviously, Tranmere are another side up towards the top of the table and will be Swindon's next league opponents. Um, he I've, he admitted more than, I think, the last time this question came up. I can't remember which presser that was, but a, a team had played midweek and he was like, I mean, it kind of does, but also no. But when it is Swindon, it's a, it's a major issue having to have played midweek, going, you know, full Jürgen Klopp in that respect. But um, yeah, he was... I don't think he wanted to get that one out there, certainly beforehand. He's not wanting to say anything about his team selection. So I think going in two foot and saying they'll be tired, it'll be an easy win before the match is definitely not something he was going to entertain too much. No. Okay. well, let's go to your questions. And talking of joyous moods, your first question is a real party pooper. (laughs) Let's listen to it. Um, Just in terms of your own cup performances, you've... Zero for four so far across the JPT and the uh, thanks for that. Yeah, Carabao. Um, do, do you do you see that as representative of your own um, 
way of going in these tournaments. Obviously, Swindon aren't great in cups generally, anyway. No, I, I don't. But I do. I do feel that the the other two cups were were used differently. Um, this one won't be, you know, um, in terms of personnel who I pick. You know, I'll be going as strong as I can go for this game. But I feel that the other games was more kind of geared towards the development of younger players. Um, and the result, yeah, you want to win. But kind of playing these young players and getting them the experience that, that was needed was was uh, a big bonus and that's needed uh, for their development. So this is different. This is the FA Cup. You know, we, we want to progress through. Yeah, and then we've managed to get almost all the way for a press conference about a Louis Reed question, which is a disgrace. So I'll break that now. Um, he came on last weekend and looked very much like himself from last season. Do you feel like that sort of vindicates your decision to leave him out and take him away from the firing line for a few weeks? I just, I, listen, Louis Reed, I've, I've always sang his praises, you know, I think he's a fantastic footballer. I just felt that it was right for him to come out of the team in that period. Um, you know, Seydou Khan's been outstanding um, and, you know, it, it was needed for that period of time. Does that mean he's going to come in Saturday? Quite possibly. Um, that's a decision I've got to make, um, but I agree. I think he'd come on and was very, very good. Needed at that time as well, because we were obviously trying to run the clock down with the ball and he ticked the ball over really nicely, which he does do that. Um, but I think I think we'll probably see um, a Louis Reed when he does come back in, really firing on all four cylinders based on the fact that he's had a bit of time out. I think it was probably the right thing to do. Thank you. Oh, man. Joe went straight in about the cup record. Even even Scott Lindsay was like, man, thanks very much. But the facts are there, you know. Four games played, four losses, one goal, but ton conceded. It'd be nice if we could turn that around for the FA Cup. Yeah, I'm not the stat man for no reason. I got a... There was a big old balloon going on, and I brought out my pen and popped it straight there. But um, I, yeah, I, you know, he's, he said what we were thinking in terms of like we didn't really try in any of those games, so they don't really count. Um, <laughs> if we could just have expunged them from the record, that'd be nice. Because I think I saw um prior to the prior to the Bradford game, it was that we'd been in all competitions win loss win loss win loss win loss for uh, quite a few games because we've been playing the JPT games midweek where we weren't trying. And, you know, that just doesn't really count and it makes me feel bad having to look at the form. But, um, yeah, it's, it is very different because, I've, I mean, we've had a free week and we've got a free week coming up. So you may as well try in, in the FA Cup game against Stockport, whereas we didn't really fancy doing that against Walsall or any of the PGAT matches. I went to Bristol Rovers and fully aware that Swindon were out and didn't give two hoots and I was okay with that I put my money down because it was a local game for me and the same applies really for Crystal Palace and Plymouth but I will never understand why they fielded such a weak side against Walsall in the League Cup when good teams were coming in in the second round which would have meant if we were at home a really potentially money spinning tie I, I still don't understand what they were doing there but hey it's done now it's it's dust in the wind yeah, especially as I think every championship team that played a lower league side then lost in the second round, so it's doubly worth it. But um, mm. yeah, I 
I don't know what that was. I I guess they just didn't, after the Harrogate game, they just didn't want to risk losing players or something. It, it didn't make loads of sense. We didn't try, we didn't win. We're never good in the League Cup. It's just how it works. Yeah, we gave Timmy Abraham a goal, though. That was nice of us. He's since been shipped out on loan to non-league, I think. So, you know. <laughs> it's definitely important to do at least a little bit of charity work. Isn't it just? Okay, so our guest... From the playing squad for this presser was Jake Wakeling himself. Um, Seems a very nice chap, although, you know, he was the king of really good answers that tailed off to generic because I don't think he quite knew how to finish them. So um, he went down the, the, the comfortable path, didn't he? But yeah, he, he was on good form. Yeah, he was. He was good. We've spoken to Wakeling before and his answers were were largely the sort of end part of these answers. So I, we're definitely going in the direct right direction. By the end of the season, he's going to be Johnny Williams. But no, he's, he's a very lovely man, Jacob Wakeling, and very good at football, which helps. And, it, you know, it's always nice to speak to him. I, mean, I think the main point of interest from his segment of the presser was very much his positional play and that he's not scored in eight or nine games. But... I think when when he was being asked about playing wide, he did refer to himself as a striker. So a little bit me thought that the guy is champing at the bit to to go central and who can blame him? Yeah, I mean, he went central against Mansell, so he sort of got that wish. And, you know, I think he's, there were certainly goals on the table for him in the last um, in the last couple in the last three games, really. But he's, you know, he's still playing at high level in the last the Bradford game and the Mansfield game. He was very good both times. So. You know, I think, especially given the form he showed earlier on in the season, I don't think it will take too long before that next goal comes because you know, he's he's just running a little bit low on luck at the moment in front of goal. But he's getting loads of assists because of it, because he's missing one-on-ones. Let's, let's hear your question. Yes, sir. Um, I think in the league, you're about third or fourth in terms of goal involvement, goals and assists. Did you think when you got here that was going to be something you were going to be by November? Um. I feel like I've always believed in myself, you know, not not playing last season, it just kind of like lit a, lit a fire in, in my belly, like I knew I needed to prove myself and obviously I, I watched quite a lot of the back end of last season, I was on the bench quite a lot, watching it from the stands, I'm just picking up little things, what I, I can do well here, but I always believe in myself, but I don't really focus too much on that, I just want to play well and hopefully the team does well as well. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. So there, yeah, like I said, it started really interesting, and then sort of sort of tailed off there, didn't he? But I think he gave you enough. Yeah, I think there's definitely enough. I don't think there's. I never really have much of an expectation surrounding player interviews. I thought Jacob Wakeling was good value, and you know, seventy five percent of a good answer for is generally speaking a good answer. Yeah, and I would say he's exceeded my expectations. We're only seventeen games in at the moment, and he's he's he started so well, and even. When you know he has gone quiet on the goal scoring front, he's providing those assists as was highlighted in the conversation, and he's got his new contract. But I, I genuinely did feel that he was going to come in to be filler, but it's it's proven not the case. Yeah, hundred percent. I didn't think he was going to be much of a first team feature. He seemed at the time like a not quite an Oscar Massey signing, but you know certainly someone who wasn't going to be a big feature of the first team this season. I remember. People speaking to me were saying, oh, why we signed him? You know, he's not really played much senior football outside of Alva Church. 
I was like, I mean, I was <laughs> the only thing I could think of was, I mean, his youth goal record is pretty good. Um, mm. It has proved to be so. I think he's, you know, even if he hasn't necessarily exceeded his his own expectations, loads and loads, he's definitely expect, exceeded what any fan could have realistically thought he might be doing at this point. And I'm excited to see how he does because, like you said, he, he definitely seems like the sort of guy that beats himself up about certain things with his with his game and not scoring. And I think he's somebody who channels that in the right way. Instead of getting frustrated, he just seems to just work harder. Yeah, I mean, we know he's such a hard worker and he... I kind of got the sense listening to him. He's got a bit of an axe to grind with Barrow, which will come to the fore mm. in the next couple of weeks. So you know, he's definitely the type of person. He's he's so positive, and he, you know, he, he works so hard for the team as well. It's adding a lot of quality. So you definitely expect him to push any frustration that he might be feeling in the right direction to keep keep improving. Because you know the improvement since the start of the season even has has been pretty exceptional from him. Yeah, I, I think Wakeling is looking forward to the Barrow game more than anything, and I think Swindon as a collective want that Harrogate home game to uh, <laughs> to put a right to the awful start. Um, I, I fear for them, but I'm going to thoroughly enjoy that game when it comes around. Yeah, I think he's the only one looking forward to the trip up to Barrow. We've got to do in December, but you know if, if Wakeling goes there, tears off, and scores a hat trick against. Halifax too, then I think we'll all be very pleased. Mm, yeah, sure. Okay, so you've been a real trooper so far because you are poorly sick and you, you're fighting through it. Bless you. But we've got to do predictions and predictions are going well for you at the moment. You've you've got the bragging rights for the last three games. I am going to go for... I, I kind of feel this might become an unwanted replay, but I'm going to say 2-1 Swindon. Why not? Let's let's do it and uh, hopefully find ourselves in the second round. What are you going for? You see, I had the suspicion of replay. I was thinking this is going to go... I think worst case scenario in these situations is generally a, a first round replay against a team we don't want to have to play again. So I'm going to say 2-all. Two 2-2 two, two and a replay. Right. Well, let's hope I'm right. Indeed. Indeed. So... 2-1 for Rich, 2-2 for Joe. Let's hope I'm right. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. Hi, Alice Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.